Welcome to the Mom and Dot 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 Podcasts. We're your hosts, Suzanne Kearns and Missy Stevens. We want to help you through everything that happens in the ellipses, from your professional life to your emotional health. You're a mom and so much more. Let's figure out what comes next together. Welcome to the Mom and Dot 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 Podcast. I'm Missy Stevens, Mom and Dot 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 Writer, Foster Care Advocate, and today vacation recoverer. So jealous. And I'm Suzanne Kearns, Mom and Dot 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 Writer, LGBTQ and Sex Ed Advocate. And today I'm a procrastinating office cleaner. So you'll notice I've got some new books behind me. <laughs> well, we're really excited to have Pat Duckworth on the show today. We met Pat through Kay Newton who, if you're a regular listener, was on the show last month, and we just knew we needed to chat with her. Pat is a best-selling author, an international speaker, a specialist in the area of wellness at menopause. She enjoyed a 30-year career in the British civil service, becoming a director in a major department. She has written five books on the subject of women's health at midlife. She has worked with organizations in the public and private sectors, and received the Heart and Spirit Award from the Evolutionary Business Council in 2022. I want to talk about every bit of your career in one hour. (laughs) I know. And I, you know what, I know just the bio, it says a lot, but it it really doesn't capture who you are as a person. So I'd love for you just to share a little bit more about your story, where your career started and how it's progressed over the years. Um, I didn't go to university. I came out of school, went straight to work because I wanted to make some money. And um, I entered public service here in the UK and I trained to be what is a chartered surveyor here, which is kind of like an appraiser, but doesn't it sound better as a Royal Institution, a chartered surveyor member? Absolutely. (laughs) It does. You get to wear a crown. uh, (laughs) Only on Sundays, but... um, (laughs) So for the next 30 years, I worked in public service, in the civil service, and made my way up, and I became a a director. I was working in corporate governance, which again sounds very serious, and I'm not a terribly serious person. And (laughs) then I went, I was going to work one day, I was walking through the centre of London, the sun was shining off of Buckingham Palace in the distance, Big Ben was sounding the hour, and I realized I was crying. I was crying because I'd got to the point in my career where I'd achieved what I'd wanted when I was 18. And it wasn't what I thought it would be. I wasn't happy. And I was traveling four hours a day, working really hard, not being appreciated. And I thought, I can't do this for another 10 years. This isn't where I want to be. And I got home and said to my long-suffering husband, um, (laughs) I can't go on doing this. And he said, good, it's time you realize that. Wow. Had he just been waiting for you to catch up on knowing The rest of us have been aware. Yeah. (laughs) You're stressed out. You need to change. You're not happy. What are you going to do? I said, I don't know, but I think it's something to do with helping people. I'm really interested in neuro-linguistic programming. I'm going to look for some courses. So I signed up to do this course with the Quest Institute that was hypnotherapy and uh, neurolinguistic programming. And I could do it like one weekend a month for nearly a year. And I thought, well, even with the commuting and the job, I can fit that in and then see where it goes. And I took the step. I enrolled. I was like waiting for it to start a few months later. And the universe went, well done. Would you like early retirement? And I was like, I would love early retirement. (laughs) Up came an early retirement scheme at work. Uh, I signed up for it and then I had to sit and wait to hear whether I'd got it or not. And by the time I started my NLP course, I knew I was getting early retirement. And by the time I was like three months in, I had my retirement party and I could just really get on with studying. And as soon as I finished, I started up my own business, which was all totally new to me. And that was in 2010. Oh my gosh. I love this idea of your retirement not being an end. It's like, it's more like a college graduation. It's more like a... That's my dream. I don't want this like, stop. And then, yeah. No, I, I, 
I mean, since then, I've written the five books. I've traveled the world speaking. I've run courses. And when people say to me, when are you going to slow down? I'm like, why, why would I why? slow down? I don't right. know how long I've got. I've got to think Oh my God. I love that so much. And now this has nothing to do with anything that we're really talking about today, but I really got to know what is neuro-linguistic programming? Oh, it started over there in the States. Um, and it is about the way the brain works and how we express ourselves through words, but also through our behavior and our actions. And it, it kind of considers the brain like a computer. And often when we've got problems, it's like there's a little bug got into the computer. We, if we can get the bug out, then the computer can work properly again. Hmm. So I've done a lot oh, of therapy with individual clients on issues from anxiety, loss of confidence, phobias, weight gain, and, and dealing with it as, well, something's just gone a bit wrong in the system and how can we put it right again? How interesting. Oh, I like it. I'm glad I asked. <laughs> wow. Fascinating. Yeah. It kind of, speaking of bugs in the system, like Suzanne and I both have a big bug in the system right now, which is menopause. I know it's <laughs> not really a bug. I know it's supposed to happen. It's working just as it's supposed uh, to. It is working like it's supposed to. I am on the cusp of starting some hormone replacement and getting my last ovary out of there. And Suzanne has started she started hormone replacement early on. So she's not having the hot flashes and all that fun that I have been having. So we're, we are well aware of some of the things that happened to you, but what should we, and what should women who are just slightly behind us be doing to prepare for this phase of life? That is such a good question because a lot of women don't want to talk about it. So they mm -hmm. don't do any preparation. It's like they put their fingers in their ears and go, la, 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 la. Don't yep. tell me about it. I don't want to know like that's going to stop it happening. It's much <laughs> better to think about it as setting the foundations for the next 30, 40, 50 years of your life. If you make good decisions now, you'll be so much fitter as you move into the next stages of your life. So that's why it's such a great question because there are things you can do around your nutrition Really like stopping and going, am I eating the right things? Now, I know the right things is a really big, big topic just in right. itself. But it's being aware of the wrong things as well, because some things can really trigger you to have symptoms at menopause. And if you take them out of your diet, then, you know, you can really mitigate the symptoms. So these are never popular when I say them, but it's things like... <laughs> Foods with lots of sugars in them because sugar mm -hmm. heats up the system. Once you're heading towards menopause, you've got less estrogen in your system and the estrogen helps your body with creating insulin. So now you're becoming more insulin sensitive. It means that you can't process sugar as well. So anything that's got a lot of sugar in it and so much stuff has these days, the yes. more you can eliminate it, the better. Caffeine, here we go. This is what makes me so unpopular. Um, <laughs> I'm good. This is my one thing that I've got. Yeah, this is Suzanne's me. good in I this I can't area. drink coffee, She's, so that's good. Yeah. I can't drink coffee, so this is why I don't really get it, because I'm like... Um, <laughs> I can, and I love it. <laughs> but reducing your caffeine intake or restricting it to the morning, because caffeine right. has a half-life of about eight hours, so you've right. drunk it in the morning. It's still pretty active in the evening. Caffeine heats up the system. It's going to disrupt your sleep. It's just winding you up a bit. Mm -hmm. So the more you can reduce your caffeine, the better you'll be. My next unpopular suggestion is limiting or eliminating alcohol. Ah. Alcohol is not your best friend. It's one of those false mm. friends that says, come on, let's go and party. You'll be okay. <laughs> And then you get to the party and alcohol leaves you standing in the corner as, as you're on your own, you know, because <laughs> um, it, again, heating up the system, it is a depressant. So at this yeah. stage of life, when your mood is swinging about, the last thing you need is a depressant. Mm. There's all the sugars in alcohol. It affects your sleep. doesn't give you good sleep. This right. is the other lie it tells you. A little drink. You'll sleep better. Go right to sleep. Yeah. Okay, now it when you say heating up your system, I am going to like the 
standard menopause, like hot flash? Do you mean heating up your system that way or is it, what is it doing to you? Yeah. So it's causing, it can cause the hot flushes. A lot of women find that if they, if they stop and understand it, they realize there's a pattern between the glass of red wine they have on a Friday evening and the fact that they don't sleep so well Friday night because they're getting all hot and bothered. Mm. So, Mm -hmm. uh, Alcohol can actually heat up your system as your body tries to process it. Um, Also, the sort of interaction with cortisol and adrenaline, your stress hormones. And those two hormones inflame your system. They they put it onto a hotter setting, so it can trigger you feeling feeling more stressed. Hmm. And then once you feel more stressed, then some of the other things like the worry and the anxiety kick in. And yes. yes. So I've cut way, way back after my pandemic. Yeah. Skyrocket of cocktailing. And I've cut way, way back. And I have noticed a huge difference in my sleep. Like I'm a better person. Yeah. Yeah. We need sleep. We need good sleep. And when that, yeah. when the quality of it gets disrupted at menopause, that's when we can start to get the next thing, which is the brain fog. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yay. Um, you know, <laughs> I mean, seriously, menopause during the pandemic. I mean, you just can't even tell what's what as far uh, as. It was yeah. horrible timing to start with hot flashes <laughs> and brain fog. And then it's a pandemic. So everybody's anxious. So, and everybody's having more cocktails than they would. I mean, I was a, I mean, a full disaster. Like, yeah. and all of our teenagers are going through puberty right now. Right. So, yeah, we're I've got hormonal people living with me and I'm hormonal and it's fun. It's fun here. Oh. Absolutely. It all adds to it. So yeah, eliminating some of the things like the more unprocessed foods you can eat the more natural foods because when food gets processed there's more chemicals gone into it that your body's got to handle often they've Mm. slipped a bit more sugar in there and uh, some other things that you don't really want so eating the plainer food and recently I've, I've seen a few people who specialize in menopause from different areas of it talking about the Mediterranean diet you know, mm-hmm. if you're looking for a way of eating, then the kind of lean protein, lots of veggies, some fruit, um, the healthy oils, the avocados, the olive oils, getting the fish in there as well. So you're getting some omega-3. So I think the simplest description of a good way of eating would be the Mediterranean diet. That's what my doctor recommended. So we've been really trying to switch. Yeah, really helpful. And Lisa Moscone, who has done a brilliant TED talk about what happens to the brain at menopause, um, she at the end of it is saying one of the things that can help you with brain function is a Mediterranean diet. Okay. We need to go all in. Google Mediterranean diet. Yeah. And so actually, yeah, one of my questions, and I'm sure capitalism, America likes to turn everything into some type of marketing scam so um yeah for people who are getting you know getting facebook ads for like this mm-hmm. this pill will solve everything or this special diet will save everything so people should just completely ignore all of that and just stick to the basics the i mean what we've always heard mediterranean diet i mean it's not like you're not paying money to a company to do no. that it's just a way of looking at you, the food on your plate and thinking yeah, how, yeah, you not- how you eat yeah, you don't need a book. You can just look at it, think, oh, okay, that's what I need to be having. And I can see that there are some things that aren't in this way of eating. And yeah, there's certainly, even down to food supplements, you know, there are specialist food supplements for menopause. And of course, there's always a premium price to pay for them. Right. Yes. Whereas, you know, a simple multivitamin and some minerals is all you need. Yeah. You don't need to put the name menopause on it for it to count no. and double the price. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. For desperate women. And you, you know what? We jumped right into talking about menopause. And one of the biggest things that was confusing to me and kind of just, I want to make sure I'm still not confused about it is the difference between menopause and perimenopause. So can you give us the yeah. definition and help us differentiate between those two? That is a common confusion because we tend to use the term menopause really loosely, like I'm going through my menopause. In fact, menopause is one day, it's the D 
day a year after your last menstrual period. And you might think, well, why isn't it just the day of my last menstrual period? Because you don't know it was your last you menstrual know. period. <laughs> right. <laughs> Because your hormones are still fluctuating. So I hope I won't be oversharing here, but, you know, my periods were absolutely regular. And then one month they didn't come. Mm -hmm. And then they didn't come for another 11 months. And I thought, that's it, I'm done. And then, like, on the first anniversary, back came another period. (laughs) So I hadn't gone through. Not so welcome. You're like, what are you doing here? Yeah. Start the clock running again because now it's all started again and I've got to wait another year to know I've been through menopause. So that menopause is just that one day. Perimenopause is all the months, years leading up to menopause when your reproductive hormones are reducing and you might start to get some symptoms. So whether you get symptoms or not, your reproductive hormones are reducing, the the levels of them are gradually going down. And for some women, it's happening so gradually, they're not noticing it. And then one day it's like, I seem to put on some weight or why aren't I sleeping so well? Or how come I can't remember the children's names and birthdays anymore? (laughs) And and that's it, you know. But it's all been going on for like 10 12 years and you just haven't been aware because it's just been in the background. Uh-huh. So mm-hmm. once you actually hit menopause, then like, are you, are you done with the hard stuff? Like, is that like your, your celebratory birthday or is there still more to come after that? Asking for a friend. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can tell your friend that um, <laughs> the symptoms can carry on because you're waiting for your hormones to kind of balance back out again. Mm-hmm. They balance back out, but at a reduced level to what they were before. But during this time of perimenopause, the progesterone, so the two hormones we're really looking at, estrogen and progesterone, the progesterone tends to reduce faster than the estrogen and you end up in something called estrogen dominance. And that kind of imbalance between those hormones can be why you're experiencing more symptoms. So you're waiting for them to even back out. And so the hot flashes eventually just drift away, the energy comes back, hopefully you start sleeping better and, you know, the brain fog fog is clearing and you're getting on with life. But of course you have got older, I hate to say it, but you've (laughs) got older and so your skin doesn't suddenly (laughs) spring back to being 18-year-old skin. Um, You know, you're, you're still dealing with the process of getting older and, you know, when people say to me, I don't want to get older, I think, well, I'll take the alternative. alternative. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Okay. So now um, I'm sure there's a million different opinions around this, but hormone replacement therapy, I don't know if this is an American thing versus a European thing. It's very common just for, that's just the automatic thing. Just Mm -hmm. you hit this certain point and then the doctor starts prescribing things. And I, I have not had any complications with them, but I'm sure that there are things down the road. I mean, there's pros and cons and risks and right. benefits of anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I'm very curious your thought on it. You know, what should we be thinking about? Is it just something that you use to get over some symptoms and then you wean yourself off them? Is it something you shouldn't even start and just let your body take care of things naturally? Like what, what are your thoughts? So Back in 2001, the World Health Initiative came out with their report on um, hormone therapy, and it was the first kind of mass piece of research, and they actually stopped the research because so many women in their research group were developing breast cancer and other complications. And this had a really chilling effect on the prescription of hormone therapy, Mm. And, I, you know, I've spoken to OBGYNs in America who said, you know, there was a whole load of years when doctors wouldn't prescribe it right. because they were so concerned about what the side effects could be. And then more research was done into the initial research. And they realized that a number of the women were in the research group were put on it later, like they'd already gone through menopause. There were women who were smokers who were overweight and they hadn't really broken the results down. And so gradually the kind of generalized results of that have been looked at and said, no, 
there is still a risk, but it's a much smaller risk than was initially said in that report. So if you have a family history of breast cancer or um, blood thickening, um, then, you know, you need to talk to your doctor about your family history. So that's the kind of background to where we are today. And I think a lot of the fear around taking hormone therapy it still goes on and it still goes on with doctors as well. And here in the UK, I think it's probably less common that doctors jump straight in and say, let's do hormone therapy. Mm -hmm. um, but I think whether you're going down that route or not, what I was saying earlier about this is a chance to really think about your background health, how you're eating, how you're exercising, your lifestyle, because hormone therapy isn't a silver bullet. It's not going to sort your life out. It's just dealing with the imbalance in the hormones. And this is such an opportunity to think, right, I've got to this stage. Thank you, body. You've got me to this stage in my life. And now I just need to reassess how have I been looking after you and what could we be doing differently? Um, now, some women... I mean, initially, and particularly after the WHI report, women were told that they could only stay on hormone replacement therapy for a certain number of years. Mm -hmm. And now there've been so many changes in formulation, dosage, delivery mechanisms that a lot of doctors now say, stay on it as long as you like. Um, again, it really depends on your health and your genetic history, your family history. Um, if you stop taking it, you can start to get symptoms because then your body's withdrawing and going, what mm -hmm. happened to my happy hormones? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> All right. Yeah. Is there a point when we're looking at symptoms that are all really normal, quote unquote normal, as normal as anything is in menopause? Is there a point where we can say this maybe isn't normal? This is something I really need to talk to my doctor about. Yeah. And so some things get misdiagnosed as menopause and some things in the opposite direction. So you might be experiencing heavier menstrual bleeding and you think, oh, well, I've heard that that is about menopause. Or the doctor might go, oh, well, at your age, that could be menopause. But it could be fibroids, right? which aren't going to harm you, but they might get really uncomfortable and oh, yeah. you know, you might need to have some action around them. You might find that you're putting on a bit of weight, you're feeling tired and fatigued, and that might be diagnosed as menopause. And in fact, you've got an underactive thyroid. So there are a number of different things that symptoms where you need to step back and say, is this to do with my menopause or is this some sort of underlying health condition? And that's why it's complicated for doctors, yeah. you know, because yeah. they're trying to look at the whole person and think, well, I can see what age you're at, but what else is going on here? Yeah. And I, I encountered that and, uh, you know, the doctors need to be looking out for the stuff, but it is, it's confusing for them too, because I had that, I was putting on weight and now not this is pre pandemic. I understand where my <laughs> pandemic weight has come from. Oh yeah. Uh, this was pre pandemic, but <laughs> I had a doctor whose response to it was, Oh, well, you know, it's just that time of life where, uh, where you're just going to gain weight. And I was like, I don't think, so. I mean, I was, I was doing the same that I was eating the same. I was exercising the same. And I had been on thyroid supplements since I was 18 in college, but it just happened to be that my body was not metabolizing the T4 hormone yeah. properly. So I actually needed a T3 supplement. Yeah. So, you know, all the same thyroid test that they've been running since I was 18 years old, were looking great, uh -huh. but it took an endocrinologist to dive into this and figure it out. I mean, uh, so I can't even really blame the doctor, but it's one of those things that you really need to advocate for yourself and be able to say, no, this doesn't feel right. I, I respect your professional opinion and know you know more about this than I do, but I also know more about me and what's normal for me and yeah. to speak up about that. Self-advocacy is so important. Yes. You understanding your body and doing a bit of research into menopause because it is complicated and you could go to the doctor and I don't care whether they're a woman doctor or a man doctor. 
they've had the training, but they haven't had that much training in menopause and they haven't had no. a lot of training in you personally. Mm-hmm. Right. And when you turn up, you know, if you say, well, I think I'm going through menopause mm. and they say, well, um, you're too young. Mm. Um, no, you're not. You may not be too young. Um, yeah. You know, if you're 45 and a doctor says to you, you're too young, you know, you're not too young. Um, yeah. You might be young on the general scale of it, but you're not too young to be experiencing these symptoms. And that's when you really have to be prepared to say, well, I don't think this is me and I think I should have some tests done or, you know, mm-hmm. let's look at it a bit more rather than just dismissing it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's such a good lesson for anything in life is just you trust your gut. You know you. Trust your gut when you, if yeah. something doesn't seem right. And if that first doctor isn't hearing it, then get a second opinion or yeah. dive into it a little right. deeper. Oh, so you've, right. you've written a few books, but I want to talk a little bit about menopause, mind the gap. You dive into the really important topic and something that I had not even thought about because we are stay-at-home moms, but this idea of dealing with menopause in the workplace. And so, I mean, that's a, that's a whole set of different things. I'd love to hear that perspective (laughs) just because we've not experienced that, but also, you know, Missy and I have this quote unquote management team of a couple of hormonal teenagers and husbands (laughs) (laughs) who may be just as confused by menopause symptoms as, you know, a boss or a manager or people in the workforce. Mm -hmm. So for women in any situation, how can we help build this supportive environment that we need in our, in our community, home, workplace? So I mean, this is the really important point that women who feel supported at menopause have a better experience of menopause. Because if you don't feel supported, if you don't feel you can talk about it, it causes stress. It causes internal stress. You're trying to keep something a bit of a secret. You're trying not to show that what you're going through and that causes stress that then causes you to have more symptoms. Mm. So building support around you uh, is really important. And it starts with being able to talk about it. So just letting people know, this is a subject we talk about. I I have a friend who, you know, when we were both going through menopause, we were both doing business networking, and she would be there and suddenly she'd like pick up a serviette and start going, (laughs) (laughs) I'm having a hottie, everybody. It will pass in a minute. And I think, well, that is really brave. (laughs) Because most (laughs) women are like, oh, I hope nobody notices Uh me. But she was just like, this is all normal. I don't see what the problem is. We're just talking about it. If you were having this, I'd be okay with you. So you might not want to be that over about it, but just... (laughs) Is that strong? I probably will. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely will. (laughs) But just being able to talk to the children, talk to your husband about what you're experiencing, talk to a partner, talk to your friends. It's amazing how women won't talk to their women friends about it. Mm, Like it's some dirty secret and like, oh, we can't let on how old we are. (laughs) What what is going on with it? Probably know how old you are, at least (laughs) roughly. Like they know how they, they see are. it on Facebook every year. <laughs> right. It it is being able to say something about it. Now you've got to judge your audience. You don't want to be talking to everybody about, you know, all the gooey stuff. But you know, <laughs> just being able to say, well, this is just like being a teenager. You know what you're going through? I'm going through it too. And you remember being a teenager? This is what it's like. The mood's it going is. up and down, and I don't know how I'll be each day. Having that conversation at work really relies on building that culture of openness around the subject. Now, I think we're fortunate in the UK that we're probably a bit ahead of this particular game because I think I gave my first talk about menopause in the workplace in 2015. Wow. And that was actually quite unusual at the time. You know, to be walking into a big government department and talking to managers and mixed audience about this is what menopause is and this is what you can be doing about it. But it has really grown since then. And a lot of companies, organizations are putting in place menopause policies. So they're saying, 
right from the top, this is something we talk about. And sometimes women, when I'm talking about it, they say, should we be talking about this? Because it's another excuse for employers not to employ us. Oh. And and my response to that is, well, when I started work, I am so old that when I started work, you didn't get equal pay. Women automatically earned less than men did. Mm -hmm. I started work and the young guys sitting next to me were earning more than I was just because they were guys. Yeah. And when we started, that happens a lot still, unfortunately. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And when we started talking about it, women were like, oh, let's not talk about it. We might not get jobs if they have to give us equal pay. Well, you know, it happened. We had legislation and now you can't have exactly the same job at a different amount of money. And then it was like, oh, you know, we need to be paid when we're off on maternity leave. <gasps> let's not talk about it. Employers won't employ us. Yeah. More recently, mental health issues. Let's not talk about mental health issues. And now it's very openly discussed on companies have mental health first aiders. Because mm-hmm. it's recognizing employees are people. They have stuff going on, right? Yes. And they all live in bodies that do crazy <laughs> things. Yes. And they all do the same things. It's a, <laughs> it's a pretty yeah. predictable track. It is. Well, and your book is. points out that Women over 50, that's the fastest growing demographic in the workplace. Uh, I mean, we find that fascinating and encouraging. encouraging. It's very encouraging. And a lot of our listeners are long-term stay-at-home moms who may be thinking, how do I do this? I've got the significant career gap. I've got these crazy hormones. There's all this stuff happening. We know from reading your book, some of what you say, but can you share with our listeners what what really can help them feel more confident going into this phase of their life, trying to bridge the gap? Yeah. So I think it's understanding that this is a temporary part of your life. And, you know, some of those feelings of loss of confidence or your brain's not working very well, they're partly hormonal. And once you get to the other side of this stage, you do get a boost of energy. A lot of women feel a lot more passionate about what they're doing. A lot of women do change their careers at this stage of life because they look around and go, is this what I really want to be doing for the rest of my life? Mm. And I think if you follow your passion, you know, something that gives you joy, something that excites you, then uh, you can put your energy into it. You can start to think, okay, if I'm doing this, I really want to get up in the morning to do this thing. And then uh, that message goes out to the universe of this is what I'm doing. And it's surprising how you start to attract what you need, the resources you need. And I hope it's encouraging for other women that I had never been an entrepreneur before I got to my menopause and walked away from my career. I I hadn't done any of this. I've learned it all. So don't be kind of put off by all the negative messaging around it. You are perfectly capable of learning whatever technology you need to learn. You're perfectly capable of going networking. You're capable of doing courses and finding stuff on Google and whatever you need to do. It's all possible for you. And then you can really start to enjoy it and think, well, I don't know when I will retire because actually Uh I just want to keep going. I I just, why why would I retire? Because if I'm enjoying it and I'm meeting people and doing the things I want to do, retirement was about being too old and too infirm to do anything anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> yeah. And for some reason we decided that was roughly 65. Like yeah, I know. That's crazy. I think of There's all the so 65 much life year after olds. That. I know. I'm like, what? No. No. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're yeah. just getting started on this exciting new chapter. It's it's yeah. definitely not an end to anything. And I love that your mm-hmm. retirement ended up being actually blossoming into this whole <laughs> new evolution of yourself. I love yeah. it. Oh. Yeah, so I think that's important and for women to see role models and think, oh, well, that person's doing it. Yes. You know, right. so it's not like you get to 65 and the shutters come down. Mm-hmm. Um, that's such a sad way of looking at it. Like it yeah. makes me sad for people who are like, well, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> just I'm just going to sit in the chair now, read the paper. <laughs> I can't fathom it. No. 
no, there is no way. Oh, well, I think you are an inspiration. And I think that your books and your seminars and everything that you do is just so important for giving, just giving that hope. And I think even thinking of it, I always thought of it as menopause is like, oh, now you're this whole new person for the rest of your life. And it's just, (laughs) I hope you enjoyed the first half, whatever, (laughs) but just thinking of it as this period of change and then things kind of like the puberty with our kids. We're not like, oh, you're going through puberty now. And then it's all over. That's it for you. (laughs) I mean, things eventually do settle down and you get this new normal. And I think that's a different way of thinking of it. I think I just thought of menopause is like that is your new normal is the menopause not that it's just yeah. this period of time and then you come out on the other side of it so I do you think maybe generations before us talked about it in this sense of like I'm dried up and dead and it's yeah. just <laughs> not the case there's a lot still to accomplish after that yes well even if we went back a few generations a lot of women didn't make it to menopause mm. true Because the actual age of menopause has really stayed pretty much the same for hundreds of years, which is weird when we think about our evolution and Hmm. and the fact our diets change, our lifestyles have changed so much. Yeah, that's really interesting. But lots of women didn't have the privilege of getting this far. Yeah. So I kind of, I feel pretty good, you know? Yes, I know. Yeah. Like you said, what's the alternative? (laughs) I love looking at it like that. That's really makes it exciting. Oh my gosh. Okay. So uh, I could just talk to you all day about this, but so for everybody else who still wants to learn more too, do you have any upcoming events or seminars or what's the best way for people to get a hold of you? Well, if they go to packduckwoods.com, they can see what I do generally and they're very welcome to find me there and there are contact details there as well and I blog just about every week on some aspects of menopause and the hotwomencoolsolutions.com website has a whole bunch of free gifts associated with it don't worry I don't write to you every day my, <laughs> I'm sure my business coach would love me to write to you every day but I don't um <laughs> But uh, there's a whole bunch of free gifts there to help with menopause and you're really welcome to find them there. Yeah. And the radio show is there too as well. Oh, yes. Gosh, I should mention that. So on (laughs) talkradio.myc, so American-based radio station, uh, every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern time is Hot Women Rock. Um, And (laughs) yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Nobody minds being a hot woman. They just don't want to be menopausal. Um, right. So right. this is for all the hot women. And I talk to a whole range of people there and we cover everything and we use words like vagina. <laughs> Our favorite. <laughs> We're big fans. Oh, well, terrific. And we will have links fantastic. to all those yes. things in the show notes. Um, just in case anyone's driving and can't uh, write any of those down, we'll have them all yeah. in the show notes. And I think it's just about time for our look, it listen, is. learn segment, right? So, our look, listen, learn segment, just in case you are joining us for the first time. Welcome. We're so glad you're here. Uh, but just a time when we each share something that we've been watching, reading, listening to, or learning about that you might enjoy incorporating into your life, just in case you're like me and Missy and have hit the end of Netflix and need some new ideas and things to do. It's over. There's nothing left. It's over. We've done it all. <laughs> done it all. And we never like to put our guests in the hot seat. So I'm going to kick off first so you can get a feel for the flow of it. But the thing that I have been looking at, we just looked at it for the first time last night, is called Welcome to Earth. And I had never heard of it before, but um, we always find a hard to, it's difficult to find something that the whole family can watch together. I've got a 12-year-old son, 16-year-old daughter. I don't know how old my husband is, but anyway, but something oh. that we can all enjoy and that's appropriate for the kids. So this welcome to the, or welcome to earth It's Will Smith. So the actor, you know, the rapper actor, Will Smith, he starts it off. It's really funny because you think of him as this action star hero in some of the movies and stuff that he's done, but he's basically doing this confessional of like, I've never slept in a tent overnight. Like I've never gone hiking like just these things that you're like what you're I'm a, a movie action you're a full-grown human and you've never hero. done any of these things yeah. but but so he's kind of confession but he's like okay so 
I reached out to some people that, you know, we're going to go basically to the ends of the earth. You know, I'm not just going to sleep in a tent overnight. I'm going to go do it in the most remote location possible. So the, what the episode last night, he went into a volcano. I think it it was somewhere, uh, it's Australia, New Zealand. It was somewhere over in that area. So it was very interesting because he was rappelling down into this volcano with the volcanologist. So that was nice that there was a pro there, but the other man that he was going with, who was kind of the opposite of him, has climbed all the tallest peaks on every continent, has done Mount Everest, but he is also, you don't find out until like 10 minutes into the show that he's blind. And so it was very interesting because this it's the most active volcano of, I think one of the most active in the world. I mean, it was spitting lava. There was one point where, I mean, it spit something out and they're like, they, they had these little bike helmets on and Will Smith is like, really, this is going to like protect me. It's like this glob flames of, on my head. Yeah. Molten lava lands on my head, but it was really interesting as he was trying to communicate to I'm just gonna call him Will, like he's my buddy, communicating to Will how different like his body could feel, you know, when you're at a concert and you can feel the music inside your chest, but how his body would feel the sound before you could hear it. And just the way he was experiencing the volcano in a whole different way from the sound of it. He would, but basically he was saying, I can, cause he uh, had a degenerative eye disease uh, going into high school. So he had been sighted before um so he's you know knew some ideas of what colors were and everything but enough that he said sounds still communicate to his brain to a point that he sees it so he was so it was it was really fascinating just the way they communicated about it Um, all right add that to the list yeah and then they sent will did not go here and i think it was because i was like i don't know if he would have fit they sent a bunch of people into this it's the quietest or the least sound place in the world. And you have to go like, I mean, you had to slide. I was hyperventilating. Nope, I will never go there. And when they, these people were sliding through these, like, oh, Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. yeah. Um, but then they get to this place and they're like, okay, it's so quiet. And then of course, you know, like our dogs are licking their butts and things are going on outside. I was like, we don't fully appreciate how quiet that is like y'all do, but I get it. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> so it was a very just interesting, the sensory uh, things that they were discussing yeah. in this show. So I thought it was very good. In fact, I think there was a round of applause at the end of the show. Um, so I think the kids <laughs> enjoyed it too. Okay. So I highly, highly recommend. And most of what I've been looking at is just all these books. I have switched out. I realized that all the books that I have around me were all the books that I needed for researching and doing my book proposal, but they were up here. So I moved everything down to my office. So most of these books behind me now, they have nothing to do with what we talk about on the podcast or what I'm writing about because I need those downstairs. So here's just books I enjoy reading, um, but they don't have anything to do with what we're talking about. So is that you for this week? I think that's me for this week. What about you, Pat? Well, I, I'm conflicted as to what to recommend, really. Um, so there is a very English comedy show called Detectorists. Detectorists, okay. And so I'm these are people already. who go out doing metal detecting. <gasps> oh, my husband and I have just been talking about this. Okay, tell I was me just more. at the beach and we were watching the metal detectors on the beach. And <laughs> yeah. so I've just been talking about it too. So I love this. Tell me more. So it's a, it, it's a comedy and it is a very gentle comedy. You could watch this with the whole family. In fact, kids might be a little bit, is this funny? It is absolutely. <laughs> it's about the characters that are in it because it's in a sort of small English town and uh, there's a, a, a little committee, a little group that meet up and they go out detectoring. And, you know, they bring what they find back to the village hall and lay it out on a table and it's bottle caps and buttons and, you know, it's crazy stuff. And it's really about the sort of tensions in these kind of small committee groups, you know. Uh-huh. And, and there is a, another club in a neighbouring town and there's the competition <laughs> with them. Competitive and detectorists. <laughs> I'm all in. I love this. I wait to go find um, it. Mackenzie Crook is one of the characters in it. In fact, I think he might have written it that you, you would know him from The Office and from mm-hmm. uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, but he plays a very different character. He's just this kind of slightly deadbeat guy going out, trying to find all this stuff. And yeah, it, it is very funny, but very gentle humor. And when you get into it, it's fantastic. Oh, I can't, I can't wait. wait. I know. I'm so excited. We were just talking about this because we did this huge, huge yard reconstruction thing and I at one point actually the dog found but then I found it was a Ronald Reagan presidential election pin all rusted and stuff that was you know unearthed when the house was being built and I and I thought back then I was like we should get a metal detector and just see if there's anything else under there we never did and then they laid the turf over it and now I'm like We've lost our golden opportunity to dig, dig, dig. Oh, I want to be a detectorist. That's amazing. I love it. Okay. So uh, let's see, Missy, do you have any look, listen, learns? I do. I have two quick ones. One is a show. I actually do did find a show called Single Drunk Female. It's on Hulu. Have either of you watched it? No. Ali Sheedy plays the very overbearing mom of this 20 something who just flames out, like has a very public Ali Sheedy of a 20 year old. Oh yeah, I know. I know that's a little depressing because she's (laughs) supposed to be our age. 16, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's, I've watched maybe two thirds of it. It's only like six episodes. So I've not quite finished it yet, but I think it's done really well, really thoughtfully it's funny and you know there's some things that are maybe a little bit extreme from real life because it's television but I think it's a thoughtful look at what happens when someone tries to get sober Mm. and the challenges of that and as we talked about earlier the you know for our age people we need to be cutting back and we may not have an actual like she's an alcoholic that's different I have personal experience family experience with alcoholism it's not the same as hey I need to cut back but there are some crossover issues so it's a really interesting watch right now and it's not heavy it sounds like a heavy topic but it's not heavy they do Mm. a good job with it so that's a short and sweet um something to watch if you are still looking for a television show (laughs) and then um I was just on this girl's trip and somebody got as a gift the color astrology book. So it's like astrology, but with your colors and we had a blast with it. It's a really good gift to keep in your stash of, you know, birthday gifts, but it's a color for every day of the year. And it goes through what your color means and how you can embrace that color. And then it has a color for the month. So you can also kind of be like, I'm in January. So I have my January color and my day color. And it tells you who you're compatible with. And we were joking that it might've ruined a few marriages because several of us were not compatible with our husband's dates. Oh <laughs> no. Yeah. I was like, oh no, there's no October in there. Chris had a woman who was super into astrology before we ever met to yeah. tell him like strongly, like a warning, like never get in a relationship with a Scorpio. Uh-oh. I know. I know. We've been married 20 years. It's worked out. It's worked out. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So not an exact science, any of this, but it was a ton of fun. So color astrology book, we'll put it in the show notes, but it's a great gift item to keep and just to create, like it's fun, be fun to have. So the one Look book works for everybody or is it a book yeah. per sign? No, everybody, like okay. the book has every day of the year in it. So it's super fun to flip around and read. And you could like, if you're in a group, you can do the whole group and Oh, that is fun. Okay. I'm writing that one down. Yeah. Put it in your gift stash. I love that. Oh my gosh. I love this because yeah, I detectress, I'm putting that right on the list. Me too. I'm going to find it today. And if you love that, there's another British comedy show called ghosts about this couple who inherit a a family house. um, Well, a big family house. And it is, we find it absolutely hilarious. It's so well done. So well done. I mean, British TV. I mean, yeah, that's instead of doing all the Netflix, we should just go over to BBC and like, yeah. <laughs> well, and know how to do it like right. best American TV has come out of just copying British television. Yes, that's <laughs> exactly, exactly right. Yeah. Oh, everybody's timers are going off. It's 11 yep, o'clock. It's 11. <laughs> hey, and we finished on time. I'm so yeah. proud of it. So much for my snooze. My goodness, that. I thought I had made it quiet, but I guess alarms go past the mute. Eh. So, all Uh, right. Well, we'll we'll have to have you back. I could talk about menopause all day. I just got back from a 50th birthday trip. 
where not my 50th i'd like to make that clear um but 50th birthday you got one year left hey (laughs) there was lots of talk of perimenopause menopause and it's just the time of life we're in and it is so important to talk about it yeah yeah and so many women won't just like open up and talk about it and Yes, we need to normalize yeah, it. I we think. do. Yeah, anybody do. who's willing to talk about it, go talk about it. Because the more we do, that'll give people the extra comfort to know that they can too. So yeah, all and of I hope our listeners really it. heard all the exciting, like hot flashes aren't exciting, but there's a <laughs> lot of excitement left in life after this. And there's a lot of joy ahead of us. And yes, that's what we need to focus on. Yeah, it's like a big wave in the ocean. You just need to get past the wave and then you, and then it spins. Surf the wave. (laughs) (laughs) Go right through it. Oh my goodness. Well, this was so much fun. I am so glad to know you and know all this incredible work that you're doing and normalizing menopause and making sure that I just love thinking about all these corporate men that need to be thinking about menopause and how it affects their employees and the fact that they're actually facing the discomfort and doing it. And, you know, I, I think it's amazing. So I, one of my yep. favorite guys is the chief fire officer for Cheshire, which is a big area. And so chief fire officer, important job. And he called me in to do a workshop and he had a t-shirt that said, ask me about menopause. Oh my God. <laughs> but he's saying so this big room full of guys who are all in their uniforms and are all got to stay yesterday. And they ask me about menopause. Oh my God. But you know what? And then, because maybe they don't talk about it at home, but if they learn about it at the workplace, I mean, it just brings that much more understanding to every woman in their lives. So yeah, wonderful. Start at the workplace, bring it home and your wife will just be all the happier to know that, oh, you get it. Okay. Yeah. I'm not changing the world. (laughs) Yes. One, one person at a time. Yes. Right. One uterus at a time. Oh, well, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate your time. Well, thank you. I really enjoyed it. Yes. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining us for the Mom and Dot, Dot, Dot podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show today. And if you know someone else who could benefit from today's episode, be sure to share it with them. Also, please subscribe and rate us wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find links to all the things we discussed today in the show notes over at our website, momandpodcast.com with the A-N-D spelled out. In between shows, you can find us at the socials, including our private mom and community Facebook group. You can find links to the group, all of our socials, and our questions and comments section over at our website, momandpodcast.com. Thank you so much for your support. We appreciate you so much. Now go out there and make your ellipses count. 